2: My name is Andrew Council. I view the world through the lens of a generational camera phone. I wake up as a black male and go to bed as a black male. I am surviving this never-ending court case we commonly call life in the best way I know how.
0: Welcome back to UN5O Podcast. Um, hope you guys are doing well. Uh, UN5O uh, is organization. My name is DJ Council. We go around and we help people have how to safely interact with police. And we discuss uh, issues mainly concerning with law enforcement, but we also uh, talk about a variety of things, especially in this moment of the Black Lives Movement. Uh, we also deal with mental health discussion, but just, it's basically an open discussion about things that we feel like is uh, of interest in this particular moment. And so we welcome you back uh, if you have been listening to us for the last four or five podcasts you know my co-host of harmony chavis and andrew council um so uh, what i'm going to do is also just as a heads up we are going to be switching this episode will be our first one that'll be uh as you if you're listening it's on uh August twentieth, and we're going to be going to twice a month now. We were doing weekly, but we made a decision just for a little while right now. We're just going to go to twice a month. So this will be uh, our first one that starts that. So uh, harmony, you don't have to tell them who you are. But is there anything going on that's on your head? We're probably going to spend some time talking about you and five zero and and our mantra of comply and complain and talk about that a little bit. But just to kind of kick it off, you guys, do you have anything that you? is kind of pressing that you want to talk about
1: um dog I thought you were just asking me for an exciting update so I had like okay cool so it's not relevant but I decided that I want to convert like a school bus into like
0: a home yeah
1: yeah yes so I'm going through the process of I, I sure as hell cannot do it myself I'm not like handy and I'm not trying to catch anything on fire but <laughs> but I really want to do it. I think that it'll be cool to do it for a little while yeah. to just decrease on the amount of money that I spend on, like, living costs. No. Um, and also, like, you can live off the grid, which is super dope to me. Yeah, so, I like that. You are talking a full-size bus? Or- yeah, probably, like, a 35-foot bus. But, like, we're going to park it somewhere, and it'll be good. It is nice that it's transient, but it's a no for me.
0: And you can drive a stick?
1: No. <laughs>
0: you do You know, that's going to probably be necessary.
1: No, I think that they have some that are, um, like regular gears. You
0: might want to check that out. Well, well,
1: well, if not, you know, the good thing is that somebody can drive it for me and park it. Uh, I don't have to, I don't have to, I don't care if it moves. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) As long as you got all that work. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a really good idea. That's nice. I like that. Thanks. Yeah. Andrew, what's happening with you, my man?
2: Um, Nothing much. Just trying to plan for school. I started, started school in a couple of weeks, just trying to make sure that I get everything correct and in line for graduation. I graduate this year and also just keeping, I guess, my prayers and then like my universe energy to like students and um, educators who have to go back to school during this crisis.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's a lot to have to deal with, just trying to figure out how to navigate. I mean, I'm watching something happen in, somewhere in Georgia, I think. On, oh, yeah. I think, is it is that Georgia where a student yeah. was being tested and a parent sent him or her to school before they had the results of the test? And it's a possibility he may have infected other persons. I mean, it's just... it's just,
1: Oh, great. How yeah. kind
0: it's just you know it's a lot of parents i mean I, I can't even imagine being a parent and having to navigate this moment trying to get their kids educated so yeah.
1: and i mean i get that but like nobody's going to be educated if we're all dead so yeah you know the question is and this is always my question with people that have this opinion about mask is like what happens if we all have to die? Like why not I don't I don't know. My friends back in China are getting back to regular life. Like they're out living their best lives. They're safe. And you know, here we are doing the same thing, even though we shut down for what two and a half months, there's no fruit to show for all of that labor. And I for one am I'm pretty frustrated at this point.
0: I know. I think yeah, thank you yeah, we all are
2: frustrated. Yeah.
0: What do you think, Andrew?
2: just about like the schooling in general or how it's
0: kind of like schooling because you mean you're the one that's actually going back to a school setting. You know, how does that feel for you to have to?
2: It's it's very to me it's very dangerous. Um, I've chosen to take all online classes um, so that I don't necessarily have to step foot on campus if possible. And I'm also staying off campus. So if they do kick us off, which they may, They've already stated at my institution that they will not be refunding us any money for our What? So if they like last like last semester they kicked us off and they gave us back our housing fee But if they do that now again, they have told us you will not get any money back. So um I'm just wow. kinda of hoping that everything goes flows fluidly that I wow.
1: Yeah, that's tough.
0: That is tough. That is tough. Okay, cool. Um so, uh, you and Five O, for those of you who don't know, uh, started back in 2015. And one of the things, and Harmony has been with me since the beginning. She's, yeah, she's been sitting at the table with me since the beginning, and just been phenomenal, and and making sure I stay, you know, relevant as far as because I'm a boomer. Um, and so one of the things that we talked about is like, and she may have mentioned it in the early one, was like, how to, you know, what is it? What is the mission? And one of the things we came up was comply and then complain uh, because the ultimate goal for UN50 was we need you to get to the house. We really just need people to get to the house. That hasn't changed. That will never change. uh, No matter what people might say, Uh, even when uh, George Floyd you can't get any more compliant than Mr. Floyd. And people were telling me shortly after that, it was like, well, he complied. He complied. And and so why should we comply? And we still get killed. And that's a very valid argument. uh, But I would also push back on that, that the odds of not complying, uh, definitely the, the percentage of raising rising rises up that you will be something will happen to you if you don't so i the odds are if you comply more often than not you will survive the interaction so i'm i'm not going to change my mantra uh, just because i believe that and then we just have to deal with unfortunately these egregious things that happen mm-hmm. so i think what i want to talk about is that what i struggle with is when i go to some of the especially black youth um, I, I may have mentioned that I went to Kenston. Uh, I weren't doing some work in Kenston. I was
1: in a- Can you give us a little background of what Kenston is? Like oh, what, okay. what uh, it looks like? No, just not for me, but just for our listeners so they can paint a better picture for themselves. Uh, yeah.
0: To- it's, it's, I'm sorry. Thank you. It's a small town here in North Carolina. And, uh, so in the eastern part of the state, which when you start going east, you start getting into some of the poor counties. The demographics for Kenston is primarily black. And poor, and uh, we have a grant called Disproportionate Minority uh, Contact. It's also called it's now being called Racial Equity Disparity, and it's a grant that we got down there in twenty eighteen. So, uh, as part of you know the, the grant, I do presentations on behalf of the Kensington Police Department on complying and, and complaining. Uh, and so we were invited. So we go down there and we're working with the community so they can figure out about disproportionate minority contact in Kinston, looking at their police department as to if they can reduce minority contacts by law enforcement. So right now we're in the middle of crunching numbers and those types of things to see, you know, what causes law enforcement to interact with youth and see if we can do some diversion programs, do some diverting to and those types of things. So one of the and And u and five o is again part of the grant, and so the community can ask un and five o to come out and the detention center or youth center i uh, apologize for not if anybody's from Kenston listening uh there invited me in to come and talk to their person's youth in their detention center, and while I was there. Showing some videos I no longer show, where black bodies are being shot because of George Floyd. I have made a commitment that I will no longer show black bodies being shot. I'm going to show some videos, but they will no longer show actual physical harm uh, to black bodies because George Floyd was basically a curtain call for me. I don't need to show any more of that. Um, and so while I'm in in there, I still have. This is before this, obviously. I still have. I'm showing videos. Obviously, we've seen bodies being shot and killed, and youth. Black males, black and brown males, are still telling me they're going to run, even though they have when they have interaction with law enforcement. Even after I'm sitting there giving those information, mm-hmm. they're still saying, "Not okay, but I'm gonna still run," and knowing the possible consequences of those actions could lead to their death. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, BJ, can I say a couple things? I struggle with that. I wanted to go back. I want to go back to just a couple of points that you made earlier. Um, I remember when this whole thing started, I was at, I don't know, a very different point than I am now in the way that I looked at police brutality um and i still look at it i would say very similarly um but i came from the perspective of comply then complain how about police just do what they should do the first time mm-hmm. but i think one thing about your presentation and about just just you in general and this is when i really got it and wanted to be a part of this was when you said that you just want to make it sure make sure that they make it home and like i can feel just that love and compassion and protective nature. Um, Like every time you say that, it takes me back to that specific moment of when I realized that this was really something that I could get behind in the long term, although I'm not for shifting blame to um, individuals instead of systems. So that's one thing that I wanted to say um about that comply and complain that it was definitely something that was done with intention um with all of us it was definitely i feel like something that we struggled with within our group during those you know couple of Mm -hmm. meetings um and i feel like it was also something that encouraged all of us to have a really honest introspective moment where we addressed you know why we are in this work what our goals are for what we're doing in this work um and readjust accordingly so if you are listening I hope that we can continue this conversation with open minds and open hearts just because I was exactly where probably a lot of our listeners are Um, but when you get to know BJ and when you get to know just the amount of care and love that went into you and 5 and how many meetings we had um, (laughs) where I was literally starving but couldn't eat because we weren't done talking yet Um, but yeah it was done with a lot of intention so it's done from the perspective of everybody just wanting to make sure that you make it home even though we understand that people comply um, and they're killed and there's tons of people who don't comply and are fine you know a lot of white people don't comply a lot of black people don't comply and you know sometimes it's as simple as you know they're wrestled to the ground and that's kind of where it ends Um, so we're not here to say that it's the the individual's fault we're not here to excuse the behaviors of abusive police um and policing tactics but we are here to say that you can't you can't avenge yourself from the grave right i remember that that was kind of the the analogy that i used um you can't avenge yourself from the grave so yeah we're we're doing this with a lot of intention and love yeah
0: Yeah. and you know what i really appreciate you saying that because actually because of you being there you brought in this this young voice to a bunch of old people around the table because you were the youngest person in the room. Mm-hmm. So, to ha- so to so to have you and as passionate as you are for those who may not know it, I mean you're radically passionate, and to have that voice in a room to be able to go, you can't avenge yourself from the from the grave. I mean it just the fact that you understood stood that when we're willing to go, yeah, you know, Black Lives Matter, you were out there protesting and you know you were doing all the stuff in that moment, mm-hmm. but, you, but you paused and went. But I can't do this if I don't
1: make it home. Right. Exactly. If I don't make it home. yeah,
0: You you can't go out and protest. protest. And that's one of the things that we talked about, you know, because that was the other thing we talked about was Mm -hmm. for me, just having people in the table that were pushing back against me and saying and also keeping making sure I wasn't um, working in a vacuum. That. Right. I'm, I'm okay with people protesting. I, I want you to protest. Right. You know, but I, I want you to, but I want you to go home and and come back and protest another day because that's that's important to this movement. Um. So yeah, I mean, you you being there, but I think what what again, I think what I'm just struggling with sometimes is just watching my young black brothers, um, young youth just being. I mean, they're angry, and I get that, and why they still choose to say, I'm going to run anyway, no matter that I'm seeing these examples of black bodies on a, on, on, on TV and re- repetitively being shot. Or,
1: Maybe you know. we could address this with Brie, because I think that this is, yeah. this is so trauma related yeah. and it's rooted in just survival tactics. You know what I mean? And so I think that this would be really valuable to discuss with Brie on the next episode. Um, just, just for everybody's uh, knowledge, Brie is, Clinician in Greensboro, North Carolina, so she knows yeah. quite a bit about mental health and mm-hmm. kind of how these things impact us and uh, shape our lives. Not saying that we can't touch on it now. I just think yeah, that yeah. Yeah. it's like an even more in-depth yeah. conversation yeah. that we could have. Yeah. Did y'all watch? Um. Really quickly, just a side word. Did y'all watch the body cam footage of George Floyd? Did you see that?
0: I. I'm, I, mean, I'm I don't plan on watching anything.
1: Else. Yeah, I didn't watch it either. Okay. I I couldn't because I saw the thumbnails. I didn't even i saw the thumbnail and that for me was enough like you could just see how horrified he was i mean it kind of reminded me of you know like when something happens to a little kid and they're absolutely stunned and how their faces are just looking for some type of like refuge and protection like that's what his face reminded me of and yeah i I couldn't even watch it i couldn't do it
0: yeah i I saw where they were leasing body cams and i was like no Mm -hmm. i can't i can't i I
1: just refuse to
0: but yeah what do you what do you, I know, Andrew, it's kind of been a me and Harmony moment, so <laughs> you got me in
2: No you're okay. Um I enjoyed listening and and pulling back and being a sponge to the things that you all were saying. And I remember when you first started UN5O, I was really I was little and I would you use me in some of your presentations, um, and just like being there and being able to to absorb the information that was given and to see other individuals my age or younger at the time. Um to learn from you and, and to kind of take, take back and resonate with the things you were saying um, allowed me to know that I have to do the same. Although I'm, I'm related to you. I need to be, I need to see you as a teacher more than, and, and see you as a teacher and my aunt at the same time. So um, I think it was very important for me to be a part of that as, at a young age. That's all.
0: So, okay. And I'm going to, so Andrew is far. I guess I'm just trying to figure out, I guess it depends on your journey as to why, you feel like why you feel like they just shouldn't comply. Is it just because everybody's just angry right now? They're just like, I mean, I get the whole don't want to listen to authority. I get that, been there, done that. But when it when it's tr- making a decision that could ultimately raise it up against the authority and you being injured, I'm not really following that as a player. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I get it, but I'm just trying to figure out what makes it so different from me being a boomer and understanding when a popo rolls up, okay, hands up, I'm, I'm, I'm done doing whatever I'm doing. Now there's a mentality when the popo rolls up, they're like all up in a popo's face. Don't care. Not going to stop doing what they're doing. And for me, that just, I don't get it. I, I just, as a boomer, I just, I don't get it.
2: I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. And of course I can't be the spokesperson for like all every yeah. generation, but I know that I can speak on what I've seen and what I've experienced around other individuals of my age. And I can see that some of them, when when interacting with police, automatically have a a negative connotation when it comes to law enforcement. Um, And then secondly, most uh, of them, if they would get pulled over or something, or any interaction with the police, they they automatically have this this lens of, I did nothing wrong, um, regardless of what happened. So um, it automatically puts up this wall of defiance saying that I did nothing wrong, so I'm going to attest that so that you can see my point of view. Um, and I, those, that clash of you need to listen to me because I am a, a, an enforcing officer and I didn't do anything wrong, so you need to listen to me because I have rights and I'm a human being, those clash sometimes. And especially, and I, I've seen it. Um, and I, it's scary. So it's very scary. Very, very scary
1: what do you think honey? i agree yeah so i mean yeah. i've definitely been in positions like there was one time i was in charlotte for my friend's 21st birthday and these police when i tell you that they rolled up on this man with guns drawn and this was after sandra bland had been arrested and so i stood there and i recorded the interaction and at first he was a little bit like riled up and i was just like begging him to just please calm down mm-hmm. you know we're here for him we're recording everything we're going to be here the whole time um, you know, I even got his number so that I could text him the video just in case, you know, he needed it. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's just interesting to me how we can, we can trace a lot of these patterns back to childhood, right? I don't know if you've ever been accused for something that you've not done by your parents or by a teacher or how adamant you become of i didn't do anything but i didn't do this you remember how angry you would get and how just like riled up and just i don't know passionate angry uh, distrustful I mean there's a lot of emotions I'm sure that come up but again it's just for me it's always interesting how we can trace a lot of these patterns back to childhood and very primal behavior um, of just wanting to defend yourself and saying no I'm innocent please see that I'm innocent and I also think that black people also are more predisposed to feeling like they have to justify literally everything justify why you're smart enough to be in that cohort justify right. why you're you know capable enough to be the boss right. justify why you You are, you know, smart enough to be the valedictorian or whatever it is. You know, we've been conditioned by society and by white supremacy to have to always prove ourselves. And so I think that when we're interacting with law enforcement, it's a very... I don't want to say basic or not even necessarily primal, but I think it's definitely a reasonable response to be very adamant about you being innocent or not doing anything. Like, obviously there is something called emotional regulation as well. And knowing when to, um, understand that that's how you feel and that's how you want to react, but it's not going to be fruitful for you in the end. So I think a lot of it is teaching people, Um, a little bit more about their emotions and teaching them how to regulate those emotions instead of just going back to that, you know, childlike, very understandable behavior. Um, That a lot of people were never taught how to regulate their emotions.
0: And, uh, you know, that kind of hits on... um, I talk about it a little bit sometimes during the presentation about... I think I say stuff like uh, stay out of the police officer's head because you know, 're trying to figure out what what are they stopping me for they 're profiling me i mean so you' so that to me just kind of cranks it up inside of you you just you're, you 're you're making yourself stress out so i 'm trying to get people to understand stop trying to figure out why they stopped you because hopefully they 'll tell you and then you' go from there, but just don 't assume that you know or don 't assume that you haven 't done anything wrong because People just don't realize that simply driving down the road and just barely touching the center line, you can be stopped for that.
1: But again, like the fact that this is a legal stop, like, okay, I touch the line, like, okay, so every time you touch the line, which <laughs> I'm sure everybody does, like yeah. the fact that that's even enough for a legal stop to me yeah. is just like, it's a reach.
0: Well, well, it, well, and I guess I shouldn't just say just touch, it also, it, sometimes they'll, I will, and I know I've done it. If you're weaving in the lane, that can also say you're driving impaired. I mean, because usually people just don't hit the center line more than once or twice when they're driving. So it's, it's usually built more than I say center line just to give that you can be stopped for that.
1: So you know this. that some officers are petty enough <laughs> yeah, that right. they have definitely pulled somebody for tapping the line, you know, for whatever their suspicions are. All I'm yeah, saying is. You're right.
0: And, and, you're right. and I'm, I'm not taking that away from you. But what I'm saying is that it's legal. I mean, that, that,
1: exactly. And that's my problem.
0: Right. And that's not the law officer. Right. And so don't be. But you
1: have the personal discretion. Okay. You know, what yes. we're not going to do this. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. I know. But I'm just saying what I need. People, all the- okay. Let, let me get away from that so you can calm down.
1: Then- <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, see, it'd it be your own people. I swear it's always your own people yeah. who come for you. You know, it's never the strangers, you know, on the street.
0: I know. Right. So I, I guess I'm just trying to get people to understand. I just don't want you to try to figure out why they stuck. Because you're going to get all. Right. the claim. Up you're going to get emotional, then they get emotional, then everybody's all up out of their, you know, all up in their feelings, and the only person that you have control over is you and your emotions. Absolutely, because I just need you to get through that because you, you might get that officer just saying he ain't feeling it, he ain't feeling it, and, right? Uh, and then you just, I, I, I don't know, I just, I think I've told this, I don't know what I've told her on this story, but I've told that a friend of mine stopped a car with a black female and a, and her son. And as a black female officer was walking up, she heard the black female tell her son, "Oh, it's a black officer," as if she was getting ready to have an attitude if it had been a white officer. You know, so she said, "Just soon as she saw that she, it almost she could just tell the woman's kind of attitude kind of shifted into a lower gear because she was starting to crank up if she had been a white officer and stepped out of the vehicle." And you know, so so just kind of trying to make sure people will try to. Like you said, just maintain your emotion. You're right, because you want to be right, but sometimes you just don't know what you're doing. You know, you just, you know, a lot of things, but sometimes people just automatically drive. They don't know that they made a right or they did something and they just, or like me, I'm riding around with one headlight out. You know, but I I have, when I leave the house, I'm thinking both headlights are are fine, but then it goes out because my car is raggedy. So I get pulled over for that. I'm like, why are you pulling me over? And I, but I had no idea that my headlight decides to go out, you know, um, t- and uh, it was on when I left the house. So people just, yeah. Uh, and I think I'm just trying to figure out how to get people to take a breath because I need them to get to the house. I just, I just A literal
1: <laughs> reminder to take a breath. <laughs> I just Seriously.
0: To get to the house, you know, because I think, you know, I don't know whether you, but, you know, we've talked about, you know for me being a police executive I don't think people understand when I comply and complain how important that is for me because that was another reason that I did this the complaint part was I need you to complain on my officers as a police executive I need to know that I have officers out there that are acting unprofessional and I'm not going to know that as a police executive because I'm home in bed at three o'clock in the morning so so I need the black community to understand that you have no idea that I'm sitting around waiting for somebody to give me that last complaint or office of mail, you know what I'm saying? Because he's done so many things that the agency is probably just sitting there for that last complaint and nobody won't file a complaint. And if I get that last complaint, then I'm going to make him go sell ice cream somewhere. He don't need to be in the POPO department. But <laughs> you're getting police, getting black folks to understand that part of some of the responsibilities, even if something is, well, he just had a bad attitude. I need to know that because that checks that officer that this particular community is saying we expect pro- professional behavior from the officers that serve this community and we're com- we community are going to hold you accountable. And if you're not professional, we're going to file complaints on you. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, police departments and police chiefs want to know that. They want to know if they have officers out here because if they have a bunch of officers out here not doing and not being professional, the person that's going to get fired is a police chief, not the officer It's going to be the police chief. So I'm vested in making sure that I've got officers out here being professional, but I can't know that if people don't at least afford me the opportunity to hold them accountable and do what I need to do. Also remembering that being rude isn't, isn't, isn't something that's going to get them terminated, when I can check them. And and you as a community can help me check them because you're saying to me is you're holding me responsible to hold officers and my agency responsible. But i got to have folks do that. And I and that's that's the other paradigm shift. And I don't know where you talked about a lot of that harmony when we started out that in order for me to hold people that to get black people to understand black and brown folks the paradigm shift of filing complaints that we will do something. I don't know whether we talked about that when we first started out.
1: Um, I'm pretty sure we've had conversations around that and like complaint processes. But yeah.
0: Yeah. Just to be able to say we, cause they don't think anything will happen, but it does. It does. And um just trying to get them to understand that, that that's part of what what we're trying to do. So anybody, what, what do you guys think? Any, any, any more conversations on just trying to get people to take a breath, and comply and get, get to the house. Get to the house.
2: I think um like your the push of trying to encourage and educate people about the, the purpose of filing a complaint, um, is very important because I know like you said, most people think when you file a complaint it doesn't do anything, somebody just looks at it and it goes away. Um and to me when I think about that, I think of your mother, my grandmother who who loves to write a letter if something's wrong. Um and I I think that most people don't think that that has a has a purpose or a point. But like you said, if if it's educated to the people that this actually goes somewhere and actual change can happen from you doing this, then I think that's important because most people don't know that. Right. That's-
0: right. And then, OK, Harmony, help me with this. This thing that I always hear where if I file a complaint on Officer So-and-so, Officer Mel, he's going to come back in my community and harass me. You know, I, and I, I don't know what to do with that. You know um, for, for, for and I, i'm not and i can't say that does not happen but it, right. pro- it probably happens on some level but for the most part most police officers once they get checked because you know they got a mortgage they got kids that play soccer they got kids that gotta go to school for the most part once you check them they're like you know i, I like getting a check so i don't need to do that anymore but that's another that's another thing that I have to figure out how to push through is like, well, if I file a complaint on the officer, he's going to come back and harass me. OK, well, let's do let's do it again.
1: Well, I think that also like you have to. How do you do that? Well, I think that you also you, you have to teach people skills that make them feel autonomous and powerful. Um, and I think that it really is as simple as helping people walk through the complaint process Mm -hmm. but like let's think about it you're living in subpar housing you Mm -hmm. may or may not have children you're working a minimum wage job you probably are dealing with something emotional because you're human you probably don't have a whole lot of mental space to then go and make a complaint against an officer that takes so much emotional energy um, and emotional labor Mm -hmm. that you know is often unaccounted for I also think what, what also would be helpful, um, and I just thought about this, but maybe the, what is it the citizens review board mm-hmm. maybe they could be in charge of you know hiring or recruiting volunteers to help people file complaints mm-hmm. and follow up on complaints almost like a patient advocate but like mm-hmm. a community advocate mm-hmm. um to you know keep checks and balances but also do the emotional labor um so people feel more empowered to make those types of complaints mm-hmm. um yeah i think that that would That's how you kind of have to address it, right? Because if officer so-and-so is, you know, kind of a trash human, he may go back and harass those people. And there's no way for you or me to speak to the integrity of whoever officer so-and-so is. But when you give people power and you make them feel autonomous and able to complete a task, whether that's on their own, they feel confident enough to do it on their own or they know that they have a resource that they can utilize. Um, I think that that's where that shift starts.
0: Yeah. Actually, that's a really good idea. Um, I don't know whether people know that the governor stood up a racial equity po- uh, task force to deal with policing in the state <clears throat> and uh, they just had their first public comment last week, and and so I might put this one out there as well, too. I know one of the things that I I did toss out to them was uh, to make filing complaints more transparent and easy for people to be able to do. I know Durham PD does, um, you know, online. You can do it in person. They also do an, uh, an annual report of all the complaints that come into the agency, both external and internal, and the results of those complaints, the types of complaints that come in uh, and, and just tr- try to make it as easy as possible. But but I kind of like that idea. And actually, I don't know whether I'm going to how I'm going to do it. But uh, I talked to an officer out of uh, Granville County and she even suggested that I start doing um, that when I do these presentations, that if people may not feel comfortable with law enforcement, that they use my website to possibly initiate complaints. And that might be another opportunity. They may not feel comfortable going to a local agency, but because you know maybe they feel comfortable coming through, you know, like a secondary, mm-hmm. like civilian right. review board, they might
1: feel right. Exactly. You know, coming through
0: a, 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 a another conduit to get to law enforcement just to get yeah. To so yeah that. I, I actually
1: and also, that BJ, too. real quick yeah. question: Is there any way to dot like? Okay, so let's say we have ten officers over a span of twenty years, and they've each had five or so complaints. Mm-hmm. Is there a type of filing system or database mm-hmm. that accounts for all of these? Mm-hmm. Yes. and are they well maintained is my yes. next question okay
0: yeah, it's something called uh, for you uh, that's a really good question. I think it's called i a pro It's actually a system uh that police departments are have now it has an alert on it and Mm -hmm. and it watches
1: it yes it watches for trends and stuff
0: it does it's very robust i'm finding out some information a friend of mine who's in charge of internal affairs at pd kind of gave me an overview Mm -hmm. so if officer mel is working in a particular community and they're and you know his name obviously is in everybody's in the system if they look at his ticket writing let's say he's working in hope valley okay and and he's writing a bunch of tickets and all the tickets happen to be african-american that this system will will see that
1: okay and it'll flag it
0: it it will flag it as well and
1: see i feel like you know we have like let's say you know you know somebody that's been arrested right Mm -hmm. you can easily go and view incarceration records Mm -hmm. in north carolina i do it all the time i look at like death row inmates and stuff because i'm like into true crime but um I feel like that type of information needs to be readily available. If everybody else has to be transparent and accountable, I mean I'm obviously there are some security reasons and like other things that would have to be discussed, but I, I feel like people should be able to know who these officers are in their communities. But I do think that it would be beneficial for people to be able to find out information about multiple like repeat offenders. You know what I mean? Not there was one complaint by some angry woman and it was never substantiated. But like a lot of these officers have had multiple complaints that they've been reprimanded for and yet the public knows nothing about it until a news article writes it. You know, that's, yeah. that's problematic for me.
0: Yeah. And I, and I can understand it. But I think the, what I would push back on, you, get, you have to remember that's part of their personnel stuff. And then what you have to do is you figure out. It's part of their job. And, and people kind of get angry with, well, why can't, you know, the, Well, you know, that's part of the job description. I mean, not to be...
1: Right, but that's why I'm saying, like, repeat offenders. Not just, like... You know a couple of random ones because of course you know like i've gotten complaints as a waitress before like everybody's gonna get complaints oh, yeah. so i don't think that it would be fair to just be like okay i get to look at every record of wrongdoing that you've yeah. ever done but if there have been like let's say if there was any disciplinary action or it was found that you know this did happen and there was some type of action taken yeah. i feel like if if you are serving a community you, you know what I mean? You take an, an oath to uphold that. And it's one of, in my opinion, one of the most precious jobs that you can have because you have so much power entrusted into you. And you don't think that the people that you serve deserve some type of transparency? <laughs>
0: Yeah. No, I don't. Not, not, okay. Let me, I'm saying no, but what I'm saying is the reason it doesn't come out until what, what happened? Okay. How can I explain this? Cause I I agree with you to a certain point, but not so you don't need to know all my complaints because my complaints could be all not sustained as long as they're not.
1: Exactly. And that's how I feel as well.
0: Right. So, but the thing is, if I've got a couple where, um, I did something and it was sustained, but it's not, You know, it might be just because I didn't do some reports, or somebody kept complaining on me because I was rude a couple of times. I mean, so that's just I was just rude a couple of times, you know. But but
1: hey, we need to know that. You know what I mean?
0: Not necessarily, because okay, let me let me okay, let me give you this example. No, I don't think you need to know that. What happens is, okay, let's take Chauvin, the guy with George Floyd. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. let's not take Chauvin. Well,
1: that's a brilliant example actually okay,
0: let's let's go with Chovan then he had 12 complaints over a career 29 years right
1: which is not i mean it's you not you know that's it's how a, i feel it's, it's not, not a necessarily a lot when and explain it okay. let's explain it to the listeners the way that you explained it to me because if you just yeah. hear somebody say oh 12 complaints over 29 years like of <laughs> that is a lot and like i get why it would seem that way but once right. you explained it even if you think about it in in um in relationship to a regular job okay I waited tables for a long time I cannot tell you how many people didn't tip and complained as a way to get something taken off so like I get that but yeah explain it explain it to the listeners how you did to me it was brilliant
0: and and okay so basically what I did we I had crime analysis in Durham take a look at there's a beat here in Durham that for the year of 2019 received 14,900 calls for service okay so if we look at that and we have that one officer working in that particular beat for uh-huh. 29, 30 years, that one uh-huh. officer stays in that beat for 29 years. And uh again, 2019, that one car got 14,900 calls, just 911 calls, not self-initiated, not, Excuse me, officer, while I'm eating my, you eating your donut, could you help me out? Just the calls for service. Over the course of 30 years, that, he's, that car, that car is crawling up in all, to almost 500,000 calls for service. So 12 complaints for, for having answered possibly almost 500,000 calls for service is nothing. Right.
1: So right. Yes.
0: Yeah, so, but what we need to look at is, is like, like you said, that doesn't, it's a type of call.
1: Type of offense. And also for me, it's not even the type of call, but the type of offense.
0: The type of offense. So type of, type, of no, type of complaints on the officer. So that's-
1: Right, he, exactly. That's, that's, that's what I mean. meant, sorry.
0: No, 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 that's fine. So that's, so when Chauvin, so basically that's why you're not gonna know it over the course of 30 years. I mean, he could get 20 complaints and they may be the same thing depending on where he or she works. So, but if you've got 12 complaints over that course of the year and he's got six where he's violated person people's rights what that says to you or should say to you as a citizen what's wrong with the culture in at the agency mm-hmm. that you have allowed this individual to have six complaints where he has violated people's rights? that's a problem that's that's a philosophy so yes he should he should have probably been gone some time ago so now you turn your attention to the agency and go why didn't you terminate this officer Based on the fact that he has these kind of and then the, then the agency has got to do the this is why we didn't do that. So that, that's when you start looking at that. And then I talked to uh, Harmony since I talked to you about it. I talked to another friend of mine who used to work in the drug unit. And what he was telling me that the guys who work the drug unit would go out and do their jobs. And some of the guys he rattled off to me, I know them personally, they're really good guys, not they're just out there doing their job, but the bad, the drug dealers got mad because they were busting them all the time. And what the drug dealers then decided to do to slow them down was started to file complaints on them. Because they felt like if they started filing complaints on them, that would stop them from coming out and busting them. So, you, so people to got to understand that that too plays into, because the bad guys are trying to get the po off of them. So now they're filing false c- complaints because the police, these guys are doing their jobs. So it's just, it, it's convoluted and you just kind of have to figure out transparency, figure out what kind of, not necessarily number of complaints, but the types of complaints that are coming in on the officer. And then the agency has to say, you know what, we're not going to allow you to violate people's rights. And after the third or whatever they decide the number is, you got to go because that's not what this agency is going to tolerate. And you may never know that as a community. But then if somebody like Chauvin comes up and you see that they allowed him to violate somebody's rights six or seven times over the course of a year, that's a problem with the police department. That's a problem with the agency. That's a problem with their philosophy. Does that make sense? Okay. That's a good, thank you for letting me do that. I hadn't planned on talking about that Harmony, but thanks, yeah. I appreciate that.
1: Well, I feel like that goes into the whole comply and then complain thing, you know, and and that's what I love about this podcast and really just all three of us in general is that we are able to have just just an open exchange of ideas. Um, You know, we are at different places on a very wide spectrum. So I love that we're able to have these productive and I think, creative type of conversations because you know this is not a typical conversation that you have on a day-to-day probably don't need to have it on a day-to-day for like your (laughs) mental health yeah yeah, if i'm being honest but (laughs) yeah
0: yeah so andrew what do you think any thoughts on what we just i know know what you're getting ready to say i've been absorbing all of this
2: i really have i'm appreciative of you teach like teaching that because i didn't know the like the process or how that really worked i just knew there was a like a I knew it was there i just didn't know how it would it was broken down and i think it's important for people my age specifically to know how it's broken down so that we can understand that it's not just going into a box and no one ever looks at it anymore.
0: right, right. and i uh a family member posted something the other day of a a, f- a woman who had a guy like this white guy blocked her vehicle i think she had some black she was a white female i think she had some black kids in the car and she called her you know nigger lover right and wouldn't let her move right and then she called the police and based on the facebook uh, i know based on the facebook post she's saying the police officer didn't do anything right in in her you know based on her what happened Mm -hmm. uh, she said he was just kind of useless for the most part is what she was saying and so i'm sitting there i haven't done anything i had the same thing about calling his relative of mine but she it did not give me the impression that this woman has filed a complaint on this police officer. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I get, she's like, he didn't do anything and I'm mad at him, but I'm going on about my life. My thing is file a complaint on this guy, you know, cause somebody else is going to have the same incident happen at them. And so for me to tell people, even though you don't really, and Harmony, I heard what you said about for most for a lot of people they just don't have the time. It's it's it's, it's intensive that the mm-hmm. what you gotta do. You're going to work, you're tracing kids. I ain't got time to, right. to follow on the popo, but if you got a minute. I mean sometimes it's just yeah uh, if it, even if it's just nine one one officer mail was just a butt, can you let his supervisor know my name is and I'm out. It, even if something that simple. Yeah. But but we got we got to we got to say something. We just so this guy is probably going to do the same thing to somebody else.
1: Yeah. And but then, I also and, think yeah. that it yeah. it comes from like this victim blaming, you know what I mean? Like when women are raped and they're not believed when they go and file a report. I think that for a lot of people, especially people that come from vulnerable populations, they're used to not being believed. And so can you imagine, you know, you've been brutalized by this police officer. You don't have a ton of time anyway. You probably are, you know, struggling emotionally, like we all are at this point. And then you're basically told, well, mm, well, and and again, I think that it's just like a cultural shift that we have to do. I don't think it's just the police's job or just, um, you know, our job, even as individuals, It's it's a collective change and shift that has to happen. Um, I think in order for us to just be a better society in general, because we have to speak up against injustices, whether that's, you know, your friend's a rapist and you haven't called him out or mm-hmm. you've been sexually assaulted and you want to tell your story or you're filing a complaint against a police officer who, who brutalized you. I think that right. we've right. just got to collectively make that shift. And obviously it's, it's not microwavable. It doesn't happen overnight.
0: Yeah. You're right. Okay, cool. This has been really good. Thanks, guys, for kind of, because I have been really wanting to talk about that. In fact, well, I I can't take credit for that. My producer, Chris Chris Downey, said we should probably talk a little bit more about comply and complain. So I, I'm glad he suggested that. So this this is cool. So, all right. So you guys um, got any parting words before we close out um episode, this episode? Mm-hmm.
2: Andrew? I'm thinking. I usually go first, and I usually, I usually have something. But today I'm blanking. Um, I Sound guess like I would say, I, "Sound like harmony." And she's like, "I oh, think I'll be first. But yeah, Go ahead. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of something to say. I guess. Um, I think it's important. This is like really random, and it's relevant to a certain point. But I think it's it's important for people my age, and then people. I guess just humans in general to listen and like listening is someone had to describe or explain to me the difference between hearing and listening. And there's a, there's like a difference. Like they said to me, hearing is innate most of the time and hearing is like you're giving, it's a sense. So I can hear, But are you really truly listening to what's being given to you? Um, So I think it's important for for humans to just listen and be open to various points of view. And especially when it comes to listening to police officers and um I think have you have you all heard of the fr- the phrase ACAB a- ACAB a- do y'all know what that means I don't want to say it but anyway Um <laughs> what it, does um, it
1: mean yeah. it Means
2: what? all it means all cops are bastards and the end a, <laughs> a lot of like protesters have been using this um this phrase um and I don't say I don't agree with it, but I I think it's important for both sides to listen to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we can kinda understand why why do you think all cops are bastards and back and forth. So it's important to listen. That was really just a random mantra that I thought about. Okay. Yeah.
1: Andrew, oh. you're so precious, even when you say, like, bad words. Like, it's okay. not that the, it was just so funny to me. I'm really sorry. I have
2: <laughs>
0: a, a
1: no emotional regulation, as we talked about earlier, clearly. <laughs> I know, it
0: is. But I want to talk about that just for a second. I know we're getting kind of close to, uh, but that kind of goes back to what we talked about with Carrie when he was here. You know, you're, you're dropping one view across the entire industry of professionals based on the incident of that guy in Minneapolis, you know, right. or, or those guys down in Kentucky with Brianna Taylor. You know, that. Uh, but then you've got all, you know, the, the bulk of police officers are, they're good people. They're trying to do the right thing. But yet, just like, you know, some one bad apple and everybody thinks everything else is rotten. And and that's not necessarily, get it. I get it. I, do, I totally get it. But it's unfortunate and it makes it hard for those individuals who I here getting it done and getting it done in a, in, in a manner that they've sworn to get it done because they really want to get the job done. So, I just yeah, I mean, that just plays right into just wrap it. And see, Andrew, that also when they use that and say that, that means that when they're stopped, they're thinking, oh, this damn bastard. Mm-hmm. And so now they're starting to crank up emotionally. And instead of trying to just stay in their stuff, they're just saying that, and now here we go. And stuff, you know, could start going south. Harmony?
1: You just want me to give like parting
0: words? No, you give a word of wisdom from a passionate radical.
1: I think that it's um, it's okay to adjust your beliefs or your opinions when you have newer information. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to have been on one side and decide, hey, this is not where I stand anymore. Um, I believe that you know it's a chance. That there's always room for redemption if you
2: if you want it
0: cool thanks all right folks thanks for joining us again this is you 50 um thank you for joining in visit us on our website where our podcast is facebook um i think i also have what do i have harmony what else do i have instagram
1: instagram
0: yeah and twitter i'm a i'm a true boomer Okay. I was like, what is she talking to me about? Uh, I'm a true. I, I, my Abby Bradidich is my uh, social media person, so she saves me from, from, uh, from that, so she helps put us out there. So hopefully, and remember, instead of being a weekly now, we're going to twice a month, and uh, we may go back to doing weekly podcasts. So thanks for joining us, and as always, stay well. Peace.